Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. It is the Kendall and Casey Show, 93 WIBC. I'm Rob. Casey's out today. Abdul in for Casey. Kevin's here as well. And well, let's start the hour, what promises to be probably a Marconi-worthy hour of radio, with Kamala Harris. We're talking Tim Marconi, who <laughs> lives on the south side of town. Yeah, yeah that's right. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, you ever held that Marconi out there in the lobby from uh, days gone by? It's a pretty impressive little piece of crystal there. Yes. They, they, you should have a big sign there, don't touch the hardware. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so it seems weird that you would start a what promises to be a Marconi-worthy hour of radio with Kamala Harris. But, Abdul, I'm going to need to get your interpretation on this because Kamala, about to play you a piece of audio from Kamala Harris, in which on one hand, it might be easy to say, hey, it was just a mix-up of her words and she clearly meant pollution instead of population. However, one of the tenets of many people on the left is that the world is overcrowded and we've got to do something about the amount of people Of course, you realize planet. you can fit the entire world's population in the state of Oregon. Well, look, these are their words, not mine. I think we need more people. You know me, I'm 100% pro-life. But given the anti-life stance of the left and many people who are blatantly out there talking about we need fewer people on the planet i'll let's play the audio and you tell me if indeed as they're trying to spin now she meant pollution or if indeed she really meant population when we invest in clean energy and electric vehicles and reduce population more of our children can breathe clean air and drink clean water this administration sure does make a lot of gaffes that they have to go, oh, I didn't mean that. They meant fill in the blank. Shouldn't. Look, you can say whatever you want about Mike Pence. At least he could speak. At least every single day it wasn't. No, no, Mike Pence meant he didn't mean, mean population I think, I pollution. Think, I, think, I, think, I think Mike Pence and Kamala Harris sort of show the two sides of, I would say, communication in the extreme. Pence is so scripted and so on point that he would never, ever have a sort of a free lapsing moment. Yeah. Meanwhile, Kamala Harris, on the hand, probably prepares her speeches on the back of a cocktail napkin. <laughs> now, you say this as someone who used to prepare radio yeah. shows yeah. on the back of a cop- cocktail yeah. napkin. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's one thing to, to have your sort of your, your talking bullet points and then, you know, give yourself some flexibility for a little bit of impromptu chat, chatter here and there. That's fine. What she says and uh, and reduce population, so more of our children. It's like uh, I'm not quite sure. Like that present, what well, you said, reduce population. Did you mean pollution or what? What exactly? Uh, uh, here we go. <laughs> I always give people uh, an opportunity. Yes, you do to to fix themselves. Like, hey, did you just say that? Are you sure that's what you meant? Yeah. Yes, you did. Uh, yes, you do. Yeah, that's why I enjoy your interviews because you let people hang themselves, <laughs> and you've long that has long been your approach from all the way back on WXNT when I was listening to you as a young lad. The the major issue though is and. Look, the left is the party of abortion. They are very pro-abortion. In many cases, they advocate it for conception to live birth. You have people such as the World Economic Forum, et cetera, who advocate for population control, who are huge supporters of the left and left politicians. You can't make that mistake 
given you know who and the things that have been said and done in the base of your party and then expect, oh, no, you silly peasant. She clearly meant pollution. Well, see, the thing is, once and once again, it's another example of making, if, if you're an elected official, you should be create news, but create news for the right reason. Now, here's, 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 ah, you're a Cubs fan. Here's another unforced error. <laughs> okay, here is my other thing. And Casey and I have talked about this for a long time is we do a three-hour radio show every single day. So that is 15 hours a week. On top of that, I do, we do, you're on it with me a whole bunch, the State House Happening Show, which is 30 minutes, various other off-the-rails, et cetera. That's about at least 16 hours of content I'm producing every week. And there might be one or two times where I will misspeak or say something that, you know, think of one word and be using another. If in 16 hours, I can usually keep it a couple of times without, as you might say, correcting yourself immediately or whatever. How is it that these politicians, Kamala Harris and Joe Biden, in scripted speeches, things that are written out for them, do this multiple times a week and they don't do anywhere near 16 hours worth of content? (laughs) How is this that we keep? What is worse, that they actually mean the things they say or that they're so incompetent they keep saying the things and making the mistakes? I think sometimes what the problem is that you're so guarded from making a mistake that you actually make a mistake <laughs> it, it, ah, it's like the episode of the twilight zone where the guy goes to the fortune teller and the fortune says you're going to die today at five o'clock so the guy is so hell-bent on trying to not do anything to die at five o'clock that everything he does causes him to die at five o'clock yeah yeah that's a good point now i don't know if you knew this abdul switching gears by the way it is the kendall and casey show i'm rob kevin's here abdul and for casey today um i don't know if you knew this but everything is donald trump's fault did you know this? No matter what it is, everything is Donald Trump's fault. And the newest example of this is last week, Joe Biden decided to give cluster munitions to the Ukraine. Now, keep in mind, just not all that long ago, Jen Psaki and the Biden administration were ripping the fact that Trump had these munitions, that he had stored these munitions, that they were a danger to the world, that they blow up at unintended times, they kill little children, they kill innocent civilians, these are the worst thing ever, and now you've decided to give them to the Ukraine. And Biden, for some reason, I don't know if he remembers doing it or knows he did it, gave an interview where he said, well, the reason I'm giving them the cluster munitions is our country is so low on everything else that really this is one of the few things we have left to give them now i don't know abdul as commander-in-chief i would think it would be a huge huge no-no to tell your adversaries around the world we're so low on munitions we had to give them these super dangerous munitions what say you well first of all number one um be careful what you wish for because you just might get it that's kind of point number one point number two to, to go after the previous administration, okay, that's fine, but when you end up doing the same thing, you may want to think about, like, okay, so we have to do this. What, what's our response going to be? You should think about that b- beforehand. Uh, number three, once again, it's, it's an unforced error. Um, so Jake Sullivan, who is Biden's national security advisor, went on CNN, and he was asked about the about-face from the Biden administration – about totally changing their tune on cluster munitions. 
and about Biden admitting to the world we're so low on munitions that we have to give them these super dangerous munitions. And Sullivan said, naturally, that's all Trump's fault. President Biden said uh, recently that the U.S. gave cluster bombs to Ukraine in part because the U.S. is low on other ammunition to give the Ukrainians. That's a pretty shocking admission. Uh, Is it acceptable to the Biden administration that the U.S. is low on ammunition? And what are you going to do about it? Well, when we came into office, uh, we found that the overall stocks of 155 ammunition, which is the NATO standard ammunition you use for artillery rounds, uh, was relatively low. But more importantly, Jake, we discovered that the ability to mass produce that ammunition would take not days or weeks or months, but years to get to the level that we needed. So the President Biden ordered his Pentagon to work rapidly to scale up the ability of the United States to produce all the ammunition we could ever need for any conflict at any time in the future. We are in the middle of doing that. Nobody accepts responsibility, Abdul. (laughs) I mean, you've been around these people for decades now. Why are they so afraid to just say, you know what? We've made a mistake and we're working to correct it. And we will get that corrected as soon as possible because we recognize there's a national security interest in doing so. It always has to be someone else's fault. And both parties do it. Obviously, we're talking about the Biden administration. But both sides always just blame the other one. And I, man, it's so disappointing. Well, like I said, once again, uh, I was always talking politics like, hey, if we're going to do something, okay, first of all, if we're going to beat up the, uh, the previous administration, which I, I always give you a year to beat up to beat up on the guys from the who were here last time. Now you're going through a budget cycle. Now it's all right. It's all you. And let's say like, oh my God, we're still finding eight hundred million dollar screwdriver. Right. Blah blah blah. You wanted the job. Yeah. Exactly. You wanted the job. Now once again, it's like, okay. So what's our strategy in case we have to do the exact same thing that our predecessors did? What, what's our game plan? And we need to think about that. Just just a sort of part of the part of our strategy discussion. Part of our strategy equation. All right. Speaking of excuses, more from the Biden administration. Biden spokesman John Kirby, he was on Fox News and he said, well, you know, it's no big deal. They allegedly couldn't find anything on who brought the cocaine into the White House. Certainly you can understand that Americans, many of them, first of all, are aghast that there was ever cocaine in the White House. We heard that there were reports of marijuana a couple of times found there last year as well. But more importantly, that it's case closed. In less than two weeks, we know nothing about who brought this in, inability to track people, no surveillance cameras. What if it was something much more dangerous? Well, again, I can't really speak to the investigation that was done by the Secret Service. Uh, They did the best they could to to track down uh, how it got there and, and who it might have belonged to. And they just were not able to come up with any forensic evidence that that proves it. But of course, look, we take this seriously. That's not the kind of thing we want to see happen. Now, it did happen in a visitor's uh, lobby area out just just outside the main West Wing. Um, uh, so it was tr- a highly trafficked area. We're going to take a look at uh, uh, at how that happened. And obviously, we'll if there's things we can do to prevent that in, in the future, certainly we'll do that. Nobody's happy about this. They did the best they could, Abdul. They gave it a <laughs> full two weeks. The Secret Service, some schmo, supposedly brought cocaine into the White House, I guess was walking all throughout the White House to get to the location where they left the cocaine, and we're supposed to believe that it's just some, as the great Bobby Heenan would say, some ham and egger (laughs) off the street, and he didn't leave any fingerprints on the cocaine, and well, we'll do better next time. Well, like like, like I said, the thing is... Uh, obviously, the the White House knows a lot more than what they're revealing. I I, I get that. I understand this. It's the politics of, of of what you do. 
However, with with the history of Hunter Biden and his drug addiction issues, it probably would it probably would hurt to be a little bit more transparent on this one. Uh, Abdul is in for Casey. Kevin's here. It's Kendall and Casey show. I'm Rob. When we come back, Tim Scott got asked a question about by Tucker Carlson. Uh, over the weekend that I thought was fascinating. He did not have an answer for it. It was on how we get out of Ukraine and what when have we achieved victory? And that is the question I've been asking is there is no mission accomplished moment by which we know we're done. And then Vivek Ramaswamy, he is kind of an up and comer in this uh, Republican presidential primary. The guy keeps hanging around, keeps making news. He gave a phenomenal speech in West Palm Beach over the weekend. We'll play those both for you when we come back. It's Kendall and Casey show. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Really? I think this is my favorite Springsteen hit. Oh, that is uh, John Cafferty and the Beaver Brown. Who, Abdul, you are of the generation where this fraud was a thing. That guy really wanted to be Bruce Springsteen, didn't he? He wanted to be Bruce Springsteen. There was another guy who did the song in the House of Stone and Light. He used to be like the next Phil Collins. <laughs> there was like a, a Jody Watley would be like the, like the next Black Madonna. I mean, you know, fill, fill in the blank. Nobody could just be themselves. They had to want to be someone else. Now It's, it's one thing to have, it, have, your, have your record influences. Right, which, sure. Which totally get because you know, everybody's influenced by somebody else, by somebody else, by somebody else, which, I, which I get that. But what makes, uh, what makes an artist unique is they, they're them. And like, I'm going to be the next Bruce Springsteen. Like, no, there's only one Bruce Springsteen. Uh, Kev, you actually like this guy, don't you? You actually enjoy his music. You actually would sit around and listen to this, right? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, I think he does everything that Springsteen does, but better. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I went years ago. It was at the Vogue to a, a guy who was, uh, what do they call those, cover bands? Yeah. A, and and they dress up like the people. and like they a tribute lo- band. Yes, and this guy was a Bruce Springsteen impersonator, and he looked like him, and he had a, a, you know, a black guy who played the saxophone like Clarence Clemens. He had a guy in gypsy clothes like little Stephen Van Zandt. So, like, the band looked vaguely like the E Street Band. And I'll never forget, he goes, hey, if you got any requests, let me know. And so I shouted out, Dancing in the dark, and he goes, "Yeah, we haven't learned that one yet." Oh, bad, <laughs> bad luck, bad luck. And that's how I kind of picture uh, John Cafferty and the Beaver Brown. Yeah, we, we haven't learned that one yet. <laughs> uh, it's a Kendall and Casey show. Abdul is in for Casey today. Okay, so Tim Scott, we talked about this earlier in the show. He had a pretty disastrous time with Tucker Carlson too on on Friday in Iowa. However, because Mike Pence's was so bad and and made do, just dominate all the news and sucked all the oxygen out. Tim Scott largely got a free pass, but I wanted to play this back and forth with Tucker Carlson because Tucker kind of asked him the thing we have been saying on this show, which is how do we end this involvement with the Ukraine and when have we achieved satisfactory status to end said involvement? And Tim Scott really didn't have an answer. You know, the third Absolutely. world war very quickly. So why not force a peace? How would you we do that? Do- well, you could tell Ukraine, and they are a client state of the United States, without American backing, there's kind of no Ukraine. We're literally paying the salaries of their bureaucrats. Um, we want you to sit down 
as they tried to do, but were stopped by our government, um, and stop this war. Yeah. And, and reach a peace as, as one does, where both sides, you know, concede some of their interests. Like, why wouldn't that be in our interest to do that? I think the faster we get to peace, the better off we are. What we don't want to do, from my perspective, is allow ourselves to ask for a premature peace that cannot be achieved as the alliances continue to come together. Uh, to the extent that we can find our path out of this situation, the better off we are. So what's the point at which we'll know that we've achieved our goal? Just, and, and I say that within the context of having watched 20 years of occupation in Afghanistan where nobody could answer the question, what's the point? Yes. And no one in Congress ever asked that question, amazingly. So what is the, what is the specific goal here? Yeah, so I would say that the objective should be for Zelensky and Ukraine to be able to achieve victory by maintaining as much of their territory as they possibly can and then seeing the resources that we've deployed along with our Western alliances, achieving the peace that I believe comes when you get these two folks to sit down and have a conversation that allows them to determine where those lines will be drawn for the next hundred years. Okay, so he was all over the map and it's vague stuff that you can't pin down. And I'm not, I'm not trying to be facetious for once, uh, uh, facetious at all when I ask this. Do you have any idea what the actual plan in Ukraine is in terms of our involvement there? I think, <laughs> keyword I think, <laughs> it is to restore, restore, to restore the Ukraine's geographical, ge- geographical integrity. Okay, so... Isn't it alarming, though, because you're very much up on the news and I'm very much up on the news that, and again, I, I'm not laughing that you said I think at you. I'm laughing because shouldn't you be able to say if you have sent hundreds of billions of dollars somewhere, here's why we're there, here's when we're leaving, here's what we deem as success, and they have not done that. We well, just keep hearing these endless commitments. Well, I I can see the, I can see the, the, the fine, okay, here's what a success is. Now, to put a, to put sort of a hard, fast date on we're leaving after this date. Like, ah, I got some issues issues with, with sort of telegraphing that part of it. But I, I, I'm a firm believer, like, here's what our three objectives for success are. Restoring you know, Ukraine's geographical integrity, you know, providing security for Eastern Europe and sending clear to the Russians that, hey, you, 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 you got to back off. Is it, and isn't it weird that we never get a return on investment? There's no audit. Like, you're a business guy. You own businesses. You've, you've worked for mega companies. You... you you know, in successful business, there's every so often you sit down and go, hey, look, here's what we spent. Here's what we got for our money. Here's how we evaluate whether that expenditure, that investment in our company or, you know, people when ad- are advertising with you, they're always saying, you know, hey, what do I get? Where do I get placed? What return? Is-? We don't have any of that with this. And that, that doesn't make you, you know, a Russia supporter for going, man, I'd really like to know how my money's being spent and whether there's a good value for that money. Well, we didn't have that in Vietnam. We didn't have that in <laughs> Afghanistan. It never ends. It's amazing how this how history sort of repeats itself about every 50, yeah. 20, 35 years. Yeah, no kidding, right, boy? It's almost like there's a military industrial complex that controls everything. Oh, huh. good Lord. Wow. All right. Hey, <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Eisenhower. Before we go to a break, uh, I did want to play this audio. Vivek Ramaswamy, and we laugh and have a good time on this show about him being Casey's boyfriend, but... Uh, he uh, he's hanging around. I give him credit. I didn't think he'd last this long, but he's not only hung around; he's remained somewhat relevant and in the news. And he had an absolutely great speech um, 
at uh, the Turning Point USA event in West Palm Beach uh, on over the weekend. And I wanted to play a little bit of this because I just thought, man, this guy, to his credit, he really has captured the attention of a lot of people. He got second in the straw poll uh, out there. So uh, I thought this was really well done. God is real. Unborn life is life. There are two genders. Fossil fuels are a requirement for human prosperity. Reverse racism is racism. An open border is not a border. Parents determine the education of their children. The nuclear family is the best known form of governance to mankind. Capitalism is the best system known to man to lift people up from poverty. There are three branches of government, not four, and the U.S. Constitution is the strongest guarantor of freedom in human history. That is the truth. We will not back down from the truth. We stand up for the truth. That is what won us the American Revolution. That is what will win us the revolution of 2024. That is what it means to be an American today. All right. So, uh, look, here I am impressed that he has remained a thing. I did not think he was going to stay a thing, but it seems like every presidential nominating cycle, there's some kind of wild and wacky guy from out in left field. Andrew Yang was kind of the guy on the Democrat side in 2020. Doesn't mean they're going to win, but he's kind of captured that wild and wacky outsider, lovable goofball lane, it appears, for the Republicans in 2024. I will give uh, him credit. He hit all the talking points that you need to hit at a turning points thing. <laughs> Now, here's the thing with Vivek, and it's starting to come out now that he's he's not a threat, but he is a viable person. They're finding like they found these tweets. So he's very pro was pro mask mandate during um, during covid. I mean, there's all sorts of stuff. Look, the the guy's the guy is the guy is kind of a weasel. Right. I mean, so there's no doubt they're going to unless you are. I think a lot of people don't think Vivek is resolute in his beliefs. He's being wild and wacky goofball guy. And when you're not resolute in your beliefs, like like if you roll through my Twitter, you're going to find the same crap going back the entire, whatever it is, 10 years or however long it's been I've been on Twitter. My views don't change, and I say all the stuff. But a guy like that, you're probably going to find some conflicting viewpoints. I've always found that consistency is always the hardest part of politics. <laughs> All right, uh, let's take a break. When we come back, the actually the funeral service for uh, Deputy Durham is going on right now, and so uh, we got a voicemail about his tragic death and the safety and security of, of the city and of our law enforcement. So I want to play that and get Abdul's comments on that when we return. It's Kendall and Casey on ninety-three WIBC. Ninety-three WIBC. It is the Kendall and Casey Show. I'm Rob Casey here, and as we're on the air right now, uh, funeral service in full effect for Officer John Durham, the uh, the deputy sheriff's deputy, um, who was tragically killed uh, in the line of duty escorting a, a prisoner. It's going down at Gamebridge Fieldhouse right now. A lot of people there, and then uh, the big procession will begin, and and obviously many people will be paying tribute to him. Um, and a lot of people continue to ask the question, how did this happen? How did this crazed lunatic killer 
seemingly get one-on-one time with a single sheriff's deputy, an older guy, would obviously be at a physical disadvantage if an altercation were were to occur. And I think there's a lot of unanswered questions right now. We got a phone call about that. And then, Abdul, you're obviously very familiar with city-county government, and so I'll turn it over to you after this phone call. I love love your show. And I have a question about uh, Orlando Mitchell. He was in jail for murdering his child's mother. Why wasn't he in a black box, which the DOC uses to transport offenders from the state prisons to the hospitals for checkups? He was in handcuffs that had a chain on it. If he was in the black box, that would not have happened. I am so sorry that the deputy sheriff was killed in that manner. And why wasn't there another uh, deputy sheriff taking this man to Eskenazi? He's a scumbag, and it's just a shame. So I'll turn it over to you, Abdul, because you're more familiar with the intricate workings of city-county government than I am. It does appear to me on the surface, and I said this at the time immediately, how does a guy that's this dangerous get kind of one-on-one service, period, much less with kind of an, you know, an older officer? And that's something I've been trying to figure out and still working on. I'm probably working a little bit uh, in a couple of days sort of after uh, the deputy has been laid to rest and folks had the appropriate time to, to sort of grieve uh, because – what I was hearing through, the, through, once again, my very reliable rumor mill is that the, the sheriff's deputy was transporting this gentleman uh, by himself. And usually the nine out of ten times, like, you don't do that. You have at least two officers there <clears throat> there with him. Now, I know Kerry Forsall, the American County Sheriff, was saying, hey, we're having some staffing issues and we got, we got a shortage of people. I understand that. However, uh, officer safety and security has got to be first and foremost. And, you know, and, and primary, I mean, probably maybe still a bailiff from somewhere, or still somebody who's working the you know the front door uh, at, at the Marion County Building. Like, hey, I want you guys to take go with him to take him to you know Eskenazi, whatever. So no, 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 no those are very serious questions that, that do need to be answered. Because I think today is, is probably not going to happen because, like I said, we're laying the officer uh, to rest, and rightly so. But there are going to be a lot of questions coming about about, about office policy. An office procedure. Yeah, and again, the the service in full effect. A lot of people obviously there to pay their respects at, at Gamebridge Fieldhouse, and that's wonderful. And then the procession um, will begin. And man, you just look at this and and you say, gosh darn it, these law enforcement officers, at least here in recent months, man, they just they seem to be in more danger than ever before, and it really obviously number one is a tragic loss of life for people who are willing to serve their community but two man it it really does you would think prohibit other people from wanting to go into the profession because it's a very it's a very dangerous um it is a very dangerous profession law enforcement i've always said is the one is one is the one profession that you literally your chances of not coming home that day are higher than just about anybody else's, apart from our military, you know, firefighters, the law enforcement, public safety, which is why I've always been very appreciative of what law enforcement does and, and the job that they do. Well, for his friends and his family, our obviously thoughts and prayers go out to you. I mean, there's no, nothing you're going to say that's going to make it any better or make it make it any less heartbreaking what he's going through. We just hope 
that Ryan Mears, the prosecutor, who does not have a good track record with this, actually sees this death penalty case through. This guy was, by all accounts, just an awesome dude, uh, loved the city, loved Marion County, uh, loved the people he was around, and, man, he totally deserves justice. Um, we got a little bit of breaking news here. Oh. Uh, uh, the governor just announced that the Secretary of Commerce, Brad Chambers, has stepped down for the Economic Development Corporation. Okay, so there we go. Okay, so let's reset. That is a big deal. Uh, you had, boy, right again, right? I mean, just to, total, to switch gears here. Um, yeah, why don't you pat you? You're going to hurt yourself patting yourself on the back there, Abdul. So early in the show, you had said that there was some sort of all-staff meeting called yeah. and that Brad Chambers, who is the director of the Economic Development Corporation, is was going to step down and run for governor and step one would obviously be him stepping down which the governor has apparently announced today uh yes uh news just went out uh, governor holcomb announced off the following statement regarding the resignation of brad chambers indiana secretary of commerce brad chambers has informed me that he will be departing the economic development commission after fulfilling his two-year commitment of service to the state of indiana we agreed to extend the service to ensure a seamless transition related to all various activities currently underway Sometime following his departure on August 6th, I will decide on the next new leader, the IADC. And meanwhile, I'll be focused, blah, 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 blah. Okay, so this is interesting because we had just talked about, or well, just earlier in the show, that Curtis Hill probably hurts Mike Braun and helps Suzanne Crouch because they will pull from the same group of people. And I think this guy is definitely going to pull from the Suzanne Crouch group of people which here's the you know me i'm all about the palace intrigue right abdul because i just accept whoever wins is going to inevitably let me down um so i don't have a favorite i don't have somebody that i'm really cheering for if holcomb actually liked his lieutenant governor who is running for governor after serving with him for seven years wouldn't he have one endorsed her and two if indeed this guy gets in which it looks like he is wouldn't he have said, you're not doing that, buddy. You're going to stay right where you are. I mean, Holcomb rules that party, at least the establishment structure with an iron fist. It just it just feeds the beast that he doesn't like his lieutenant governor. Well, I, I, don't, I don't think it's that. Um, like I said, I'm not, I'm not exactly sure what it is, but now this gives me something to work on. Uh, this How could it be anything other than he doesn't care for her? I mean, he she served with him. She He took her off the signs in 2020 deliberately, which that's unbelievable. He... He won't endorse her, and now this guy who is probably more Holcomb than she is is going to get in the race. What other conclusion can people come to other than he just really doesn't care for his lieutenant governor? No, like I said, no, I, I think he does. Uh, like I said, it'll it'll be interesting to see what exactly uh, is going on here. But but uh, but but as you mentioned, I think Brad Chambers sort of divides that the quote unquote establishment wing. Uh, of the Indiana Republican Party, and also too, I think also I think it also hurts Eric Doden. In, in addition, because Eric Doden used to have the same job. Oh yeah, that that Brad Chambers had. Yeah. So so here's the question on Doden, and you run until I mean his dad just gave him six hundred thousand dollars, right? So I mean he's flush with cash. What are you running for? Th- like, what is your path at this point? Because. He had a chance to have a path. And look, I, I met with Doden. I, we talked about this before in the year, so I'm not breaking news. I asked at his request to meet with Doden the first of this year. It was an off-the-record conversation, so I'm not going to go into detail about what we, t- what we talked about. But I, at his request, gave him issues that I thought would separate him from the rest of the field. 
And if you want to stand out, and I told him exactly what I told him, and it's nothing you don't hear on this show every single day, so you can probably guess what those were. None of them have been implemented or proposed. And I was looking at him running. It's like, why are you even running? What are you running for? I do not know when no one knows who you are, how you cannot run on something big, big, big and bold and stand for something. But he, he is not. How long is he going to stay in? Well, now the, now the question is, if you're, if you're Eric Doden, is, okay, what's your strategy? Because your strategy has always been, hey, you know, this job creation, blah, blah, blah. I was with the IEDC. Now Brad Chambers comes along, who also has the same job, who also brag about job creation. So if you're Doden, I think you really want to try to hit, once again, your, your, your Doden strategy has always been to hit sort of rural Indiana, sort of offset, you know, Hamilton, Marion County, sort of the, the sort of sort of that part of the state. So, no, so this will, once again... My, my life just becomes so much more interesting. Well, and the wild thing about this is because this will be the sixth person now, if indeed he gets in, in this race. You could have somebody win the governor's primary with 20% of the Yeah, 20, 25% of the vote. Exactly. Which, and again, so now if you're Curtis Hill, you're looking at this, if this guy gets in going, hey, this is this is great. I mean, it's if you're Braun, if you're Curtis Hill, this is good news for you. All right, let's take a break. Abdul, I'm going to, when we come back, I'm going to ask you a question and you can answer it or decline. Um, you're a man who... I don't think I have a problem addressing this. You're a man who has indulged in some substances over the years. Is that that's safe to say? Yeah. You 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 enjoy. I, I need to relax. Yes. There we go. Perfect. Uh, I'm going to ask you if if um, because there's a report out. This is our Janet Yellen, the Treasury Secretary, was on psychedelic mushrooms when she did that bow in China. And so I'm going to ask you if you know anybody, if you. I know, I know lots of people. Well, I know who may have <laughs> ventured into the psychedelic mushroom world, and if that makes you do absolutely crazy crap that you're not aware of, how about that? When we come sure. back, all right, let's do it. Let's get on the case. Oh, Kev, you can get on this one too. You've spent a lot of time abroad. I'm sure you're you can be right on this one as well. It's Kendall and Casey show on 93 WIBC. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. We had joy, we had fun, we had seasons in the sun. But the Strong. that we climbed were just This may be the greatest one-hit wonder time. ever. Terry Jack Seasons in the Sun. Good job, Kev. It's Kendall and Casey Show, 93 WIBC. What, no Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds? That's not a one-hit wonder. That or, was or, Elton John and the Beatles were the originals. What, or, or Strawberry Fields. Try to, uh, again. Is or that Yellow a Submarine. <laughs> I can't take you anywhere. No, you can't. It's Kendall and Casey Show. <laughs> Abdul is in for Casey today. Kev's here. Uh, real quick, I did want to ask you, I, I got to ask you about these psychedelic mushrooms that Janet Yellen was allegedly on. But before that, you had mentioned last segment, we think Brad Chambers is running for governor. He's the IEDC, uh, the head Chairman, of the, yeah. Yeah, head of the IED, Commerce. Yeah. yeah. So, um, and that'll be a new face who can probably raise some money in the race for governor. If you got five people running already, though, and at least three of them have been running for a year, and then Curtis Hill, obviously, he gets in. Is there enough staff for all these people? Like, where did this? Where did the staffs come from? You can either go local, or you can go national. If yeah. you're Curtis Hill, I want to say Curtis went na- went national. Yeah, because uh, none of the cell phones uh, when staff people are, have three one seven area code. We were laughing about that. That all these numbers 
uh, from the Curtis Hill people, none of them are, are local. Does that matter whether I have a local campaign or I have a national campaign? Uh, actually, I, I think it does in the sense that you, you need somebody who knows the, the, the more familiar you are with the lay of the land, I think the better off you are as, as a candidate and as a consultant. I, I think that's true now. Do you, do you, now, do you need to be from Indiana to understand to understanding the politics? No, but I think being from Indiana helps give you an edge. Um, Suzanne Crouch, you would think, because she's been at this for a year and she raises infinite money. She is, say what you want about her, she knows how to raise money. Wouldn't she already have all the good establishment people? Wouldn't like all the primo, and, and I don't know, these are your people, but are they an, uh, an esh, upper echelon established people? Wouldn't they already like be with her? I'm trying to figure out how to answer this question. Uh, honestly. Well, no, no, it's a, it's a little more complicated oh. than that. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's one of those cheat sheet type answers. Uh-huh. Um, I would say the, the first part of your, the first part of the answer to your question is, is yes, she should. But it's a little more complicated than that. Oh. They'll probably be in this weekend's Cheat Sheet, which oh. means they'll probably have to put another one out. Oh, very good. <laughs> and by the way, you can get the uh, subscribe to the Cheat Sheet over at IndiePolitics.org. If you'd like all the juicy rumor gossip and innuendo. Speaking of which, you open the door, so I'm going to walk right through it. Your last cheat sheet that uh, came out, I am a subscriber, and uh, it is the best $50 you'll spend all year, um, had a little expose or a little piece, I guess we would say, on the sudden resignation of State Representative Randy Fry and how many people aren't buying the I resign suddenly for health reasons excuse. You are correct. Uh, in a nutshell, uh, Randy, Randy Fry stepped down. Randy is uh, from the sort of the near the kind of near the Cincinnati area, near kind of near that Brookfield District sixty seven, yes. that sort of southeast corner of Indiana. Uh, he said he resigned because of because of health issues. Uh, there was some bad mojo running around that maybe he had done something else that would have got him in trouble. That's why they had to bring in the ethics committee. Uh, like I said, couldn't confirm any of that. Uh, but but it's out there and it's being talked about by it's it's, it's not just the usual kind yes. of just you know one hit wonder rumors as I call it. like yeah yeah whatever okay <laughs> we're 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 done we're going on going on about a business no this this is actually kind of serious so I can't I had to allude to it in my chichi without necessarily alluding to it okay so let's talk about this because there has been an ethics commission formed and this kind of went under the radar and this is actually a really big deal there has been an ethics commission formed to deal with the indiana general assembly and i was told by a very reliable source this was formed because the behavior amongst many of these lawmakers is completely out of control it is the curse of a super 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 majority we have so many members and everybody thinks they're in charge run the show you got it's it, literally, literally it is like herding cats i mean to me a nice size super majority is like say 60 60 that way you can sort of prune off a couple of people if you, if you don't need their votes <laughs> but but 70 it, it, it gets ridiculous I remember, I remember having a conversation uh with a former speaker brian boswell all this was like years and years ago like mr speaker how does it feel to have a super majority it's like well abdul let me put it this way some days it couldn't hurt to have that tree of liberty pruned yeah well so the this will be interesting to see what this ethics commission ends up because they put somebody not of the legislature in charge. We have somebody from legislative services agency who's overseeing that because, and you alluded in your cheat sheet, there's more than just one state rep who is allegedly involved potentially in It's like behavior. potato chips. You can never eat just one. <laughs> so is this like everything else? I mean, you know, uh, it's just going to go be swept under the rug and nobody's going to know what might have happened? Or is this something where people are actually going to 
shine some sunlight potentially on what's been going on eventually all things eventually everything becomes public so it's just a just a matter of time that, that that's all i can say right now okay let's talk about psychedelic mushrooms for a minute shall we uh you are a man who enjoys uh venturing outside of the state of indiana on occasion and you're pretty uh open about what you do when you venture outside the state of indiana you enjoy uh How'd you say you enjoy relaxing? I, I enjoy relaxing because my mind is always racing, always got stuff going on. I need to need to relax and get to sleep. Yeah, it's a very fertile mind. And yes. it'd be tough. You gotta cultivate the very fertile <laughs> mind. Uh, or you, fertilizer. You ever <laughs> done the psychedelic mushrooms before? Never done never done mushrooms. Yeah. I asked this because there's a report out in the Washington Post that Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen dined on psychedelic mushrooms in China before that now infamous bow uh, in front of a Chinese official last week and of course she was getting ripped uh, just to shreds on the fact that you're bowing in front of a you know a Chinese official and now they're saying that uh, she might have been on magic mushrooms according to a report that she ate over there in China now Kev I know you would probably never ever ever do anything like magic mushrooms but I know you did spend a great deal of time in foreign lands abroad you ever hang out with anybody who did the magic mushrooms yeah uh, <laughs> let's just say I've heard a little bit about it. Yeah, what what happens when you do the magic mushrooms? Can you can you speak from observing friends, colleagues, cohorts? What what would happen when you uh, partake in a magic mushroom? Well, I've heard <laughs> that you just kind of lose concept of time, <laughs> and you kind of get this uneasy feeling yeah. in your stomach, and it's very dreamlike. So that was interesting. So in this report, they basically say you're doing things and you don't know you're doing them. Would that be, from the people you've observed, an accurate description? Yeah, I mean, I've heard that you're not totally out of your mind, unless you do tons of it, but I... I imagine she had a moderate amount. Yeah. So uh, this is a little alarming to me, Abdul. I don't know about you. And thank you, Kev, for relaying your experiences seeing others having done magic mushrooms. Of course. It's a little unnerving to know that our Treasury Secretary is potentially doing magic mushrooms in China. Am Am I out of the realm of reason by saying that? Well, I guess the question is, did she do it knowingly or unknowingly? It's, it's, it was like uh, uh here we here's here's here, here's a really bad obscure reference. You ever see a, you ever see a very Brady sequel? Oh uh, yes, I yes Remember I remember Tim Matheson yes. was played the played like the professor uh-huh. and he put the he had the mushrooms and Alice put the mushrooms and he had like Top Dog and Ping and Pong the Panda the cartoon from the Brady Kids mm-hmm. sort of yeah that sort of thing. Well, uh, look, you could say is it intentional? Is it unintentional? You think if you're in a foreign land and you're the Treasury Secretary, like this is not like I went to my local. Mushroom Chinese, dealer, your Chinese buffet or whatever. Like yeah. you're, you're the treasury treasury secretary. They're an official government business. Wouldn't you have somebody who would vet exactly what you're putting into your system? Because you have to go to meetings with world leaders. Like, shouldn't this is almost as careless as somebody brought cocaine into the White House? And what is the deal with the Biden administration and all these illegal drugs that are being consumed or brought into the White House or whatever? Well, what is the deal with that? Was she microdosing? Kev. That's what all the big tech uh, CEO guys do Kev, when they want to brainstorm. Just pretend for a moment I've never done an illegal drug of any sort. Just tell me what is a microdosing? It's like a very small amount of mushrooms oh. that you take just to. Uh, Kind of spark your yeah, creativity. Yeah, spark, spark your creativity. Oh, and you it kind of helps you see somebody do that. 
Yeah, I think I've seen a couple people do that before. <laughs> well, look, I mean, in terms of uh, where we're at as a society, it's kind of just par for the course now. Hey, you did a great job today. Hey, it's always good to be back. Thanks. You're wonderful. It's good to see you, Skinny. <laughs> I, have my, I have my face here back probably next time I do this. I promise you. Good job, Kev. Thank you, as always. We'll be back here tomorrow. Stick around. Tony Katz coming up next. It's Kendall and Casey show on 93 WIBC. But the stars we could reach would be starfish on the beach.